0: how they've managed to turn their STR dreams into reality. If you're an ambitious woman who's looking to build a successful short-term rental business, you are in the right place, sister. Welcome to another episode of the STR Sisterhood. I'm your host, Stacey St. John, and I am delighted to spend a few minutes with you today. Now, in this episode, I am going to introduce you to Ashley Cohen Guy, and Ashley and her husband have very quickly scaled their short-term rental portfolio just since 2020, and they are continuing to rock it out. I sit down and talk with Ashley about managing properties in multiple markets and managing life as a wife and a mom. So let's go ahead and dive in. Okay, so we are here with what I call a modern day superwoman, Ashley Cohen Guy. Ashley, thank you so much for spending some time with us on the podcast.
1: Absolutely. It's my pleasure, Stacey. Thank you so much for the invitation.
0: So first, before we dive into my questions, I wonder if you could tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and
1: where your short-term rentals are located. Sure thing. So I am just north of Columbus, Ohio, and we started investing in December 2020. Really interesting time to get into this business, and we started off investing in the Smoky Mountains in Tennessee. So currently, we have three there, and we have two more in contract that are being built as we speak. And then we Turned our attention to Gulf Shores, Alabama, and we have two condos there with two more being built there as well. We also bought a cabin in the Georgia mountains, so in Blue Ridge, Georgia, and we decided to expand again into the Disney market. So we're in Davenport, Florida, and we did buy and sell in Crystal Beach, Texas this year as well. So altogether, we currently have seven running and four in contract. That is so
0: exciting. And I have so many questions about your journey and how you've navigated this, but you know, I do feel like we would be remiss if we didn't call out the fact that when you started out, correct me if I'm wrong, you and your hubby had decided that you needed to have
1: a rental per child. Talk to us about that. So someone told us, I like, I swear this happened in a grocery store, that we just met this random older gentleman and he like stopped us and saw how many kids we have. So we have five kids currently, number six will be here by the time that you get to hear this interview. And he was like, you need one investment property per child. And we were like, okay, that's an interesting idea. Never thought about even a legacy like that. Like that became our first goal was like, what does that look like? How do we do that? And we looked at long-term rentals for about two years, seeing properties. And I just, honestly, I held us back because I was not impressed with the numbers or anything like that. So when we jumped in, we have young kids. They're about, you know, spaced about every other year as far as ages and you know, we have our hands full, but for us, that was the goal was what can we leave for them? What can we do? How do we set them up for success? Because we just want more than what we have for them. And we accomplished that way quicker than either of us expected, which is really fun, but we're also big risk takers. So that came you know with a price and it's paying off for us for sure. Amazing.
0: So I want to ask you some questions about Managing your properties in multiple markets. Obviously, you've got seven properties up and running today, soon to be plenty more. But I want to ask you first about selecting your markets. When you were choosing which areas you wanted to invest in, did you and your husband have a specific strategy in mind, a specific type of location, or
1: types of locations that you were thinking about? Talk to us about that journey. So to be totally honest, we had a friend who was like, hey, you should look at getting a cabin in the Smoky Mountains. And Jared and I were both like, we're not mountain people. Why would anyone want a cabin in the mountains? Why would anybody go visit there? Like, that's just not our jam. And we've never been there. And so that conversation happened, I think, on a Saturday. And by the following Saturday, we had done probably about at least 12 hours of research within that week. We were every night up all night researching why would anybody do that? Because they're like, there's money to be made there. And we're like, mm, yeah, I doubt it. And they turned out to be absolutely right. And <laughs> we started putting in offers a week after that conversation. So it was just by chance, you know, that you would get lucky and you have those conversations. And that started us off in the smokies. And once we started diving into like market and why would you choose a market? We look for things that have millions of visitors. That for us is huge. I'm not looking for the smaller local areas. I want something that's going to have high occupancy, high visitation. And as we invested during a really crazy time in this country, we needed something that even if visitation dropped 25%, even if rates dropped, that it was still going to be occupied, and still was going to make money. So that's really been our focus is the really high traffic areas. And that's why we have continued to invest in the Smoky Mountains. But then we always knew that we wanted to have a beach house. Like, I feel like it's one of those things you you take a vacation and you're like, I don't know how people afford that. Like, we would always have that conversation. Like, who owns the place that we just rented? Like, how do people do that? And I will tell you, we took a vacation to Gulf Shores, Alabama. We have a ride or die, like family favorite beach on the East Coast. And one year I presented to my mom like, hey, let's let's go somewhere we've never been. Let's just mix it up. And we happened to land on Gulf Shores and we had the best time. So that was actually 2016, okay? So 2016 that we went there and we loved it. Two years later, my husband puts up a Facebook post like, one day we're going to own a beach house. Like, I don't know how that's going to happen. So it was 2018. And we're like, we're going to figure it out. And then we're like, hey, wait a minute. I think we figured out how people make money on these, how you get them to pay for themselves. And you have a slice of paradise for yourself as well. Like, it, it was really crazy when that moment came full circle for us. And that's when we changed to look at exploring other markets outside of Tennessee. Because, like I said, mountains are just not Jared Nashley's thing. So we'd rather be on the beach. That is our heaven. And we took a chance on a condo in Gulf Shores and it absolutely paid off. It gave us many good vacations, just even the first six months, just as a family. And then we saw how lucrative it was, which is why we continued to invest there. Now we also keep in mind how you play your loans. So I think there's a lot of loan structuring that goes on. In it's really like chess, if you will, on the beginning of the year, restarting your kind of loan process. What are you eligible for between getting you know second home and investment? Because we do all conventional financing, and that was why we continued to choose different markets. So. We looked at the Blue Ridge market, and that was actually a pick of my parents that they were like, okay, let's let's try this. And then we were really interested in Disney because I'm a huge Disney fan and I'm like, we could take our kids and not have to pay ridiculous price for housing because we have so many children and we can't get one hotel room. We have to get like three. <laughs> and this was something we're like, wait a minute, this is cool that. This is a kind of a year-round market. I mean, there's there's slower months, but like Disney's always busy. So we knew, again, that millions of visitors, we just did the research that way in our expansion and made sure that the numbers made sense for the specific properties that we were choosing in those markets. So great. So great. And I did not know you were a secret Disney
0: fan. I am a secret Disney fan. Oh, girl, there's no secret over here. <laughs> so I digress really quickly but what is your favorite Disney character this has nothing to do with our interview but I have to ask
1: probably gonna go with Tinkerbell okay it's really hard for me to choose but like the magic of a little person that's kind of what I hold on to (laughs) okay and one more question about Disney what's your favorite Disney park oh Epcot hands down there's nothing better. I will tell you a really quick, funny story though. So I've basically been pregnant on and on, on and off, I should say, for 10 years. I have not been able to ride any of the fun rides because every time for like the entire time I'm with my husband, I've been pregnant at Disney and it's so frustrating. And I just want to ride Tower of Terror <laughs> just to make my heart happy. <laughs> oh, that is one of my
0: favorite rides. Definitely. Yes. And rock and roller coaster. And Mission to Mars. Those are three of my faves. I know you're making me jealous right now. We just got (laughs) back, but I'm ready to go. Okay. All right. So I digress. I'm sorry. I had to go down the Disney trail for a minute. I couldn't resist. Talk to me. I know obviously you've had quite a rapid expansion. Are you still buying properties or are you still wanting to expand even further given the current real estate market?
1: I... Secretly really love this market because there was, was a lot of competition over the last two years of people jumping in and you know, they were offering way above and beyond what was reasonable. and there just wasn't a lot of smart decisions, I don't think, personally, from some investors. And so I think this specific market that we're in, while it seems challenging, has actually, like, it weeds out the people that are just kind of playing around, and you have the smart investors playing right now. Because as real estate's kind of shifting, we're seeing getting properties under contract that are under-asking and Seller contributing towards the closing costs and like, like there's, it's just totally different than blindly offering 60,000 over and covering the, the seller's closing costs. Like it's just really different. And I, I actually enjoy it because it's slowed down a little bit. It's less impulsive and it gives you an opportunity. And especially as we come into the winter months, there's a lot of opportunity in the markets that are slowing down to buy because inventory is going to go up. You've got less buyers out there. And yes, it, it, your interest rates, are, like you can't really change that a whole lot, but you have a lot of power for negotiation at this point. So uh, we're still buying. We've even planned out, like like I said, we've, we've got to be very strategic about our loan structures and what order we do them. We just had a discussion, I think, last night about, Buying something, you know, buying the next one and really planning out our entire next year's worth of purchases already. Yeah.
0: So, do you mind if I ask you about that loan structure a little bit? And for anyone who may be listening that, you know, is thinking, what is she talking about? Like strategy with loan structure. This is a whole thing in and of itself. Right. And so, I'm curious if you don't mind sharing a little bit about how your strategy looks when it comes
1: to the financing of your properties? Absolutely. So I will tell you, there's a lot of, I'm not a lender. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not CPA. I'm not any of that stuff. And there are a lot of mixed feelings about a gray area in the Fannie and Freddie guidelines for lending. So we play in the gray area because again, It's really not specifically outlined. Our lender knows exactly what we're doing and is very comfortable with that as long as we are honest with them about what we're doing with the property. So, with all those things in mind, basically at the beginning of the year, you're going to kind of have everything like reset. So, you file your taxes, and then at that point, you're going to say, Okay, with this income, what is my purchasing power? And for us, we chose a lot of second home mortgages because. We were eligible to get them at 10% down, which is your least amount up front. And a couple years ago was where you could get a little bit less of an interest rate. Um, now they're about the same as an investment, but it still requires less down as far as money out of your pocket, which has allowed us to scale. So when you start buying properties, it adds to your debt. And so that's why you want to be specific about For us, we try and choose the second home mortgage first, and then all the subsequential ones after are likely going to be investment loans based off of the fact that I've already added this amount of debt that shows no no income for the rest of the year. So that's why we're really specific about what markets, what order we purchase in, making sure that we have refinanced some out of second home mortgages so that we can actually buy in the same market and get a second home and basically upgrade our house. And so just put 10% down or upgrade to an, a better property and just put as minimal down as, as possible. So for us, we use, we do the conventional financing. I have a lender that does 10% second home and then 15% investment. And that's really how we've leveraged our money to be able to scale as fast as we have.
0: Amazing, and I appreciate you diving into that. That's a whole podcast in and of itself. And I'm sure that you would be more than happy to have a deeper dive with with anyone. And we'll we'll make sure at the end of this and in the show notes, we'll put how folks can get a hold of you to ask you additional questions, because I'm sure there'll be ones that come up. So I want to circle back really quickly into this concept of managing properties in multiple markets. And I know firsthand how complex it can be, number one, managing multiple properties, but number two, managing properties away from where you live. Talk to us a little bit about what complexities you've seen come up and how you have navigated them.
1: So we really focus on the who, not how mindset. It's not how I can fix the problem. It's who can I call that's going to fix it for me? Or who can I call to do this service? So when it comes to self-managing from states away, because I don't have any in my home state, for me, it's picking up the phone and who's going to be a reliable person to answer, who's going to get the job done. And This comes, it really can be a bit of trial and error of trying to find the right vendors to work with, getting somebody who's maybe not a huge corporation, but also not just starting out somewhere kind of in the middle that has a medium-sized business that can take on growth, but that still has all the systems in place to make sure that everything gets done as as it should. And, And we have had several challenges within that space of trying to figure out, too small, too big. I, I prefer to work with people that own their own business and maybe have worked for a corporation before. But I, I really love supporting entrepreneurs that are out there hustling and grinding. I just got to make sure that we're the right fit too, that they've got everything in place structurally to make it just go smoothly whenever we we pick up the call or pick up the phone and, and need something help wise. So we've definitely ran in, into problems with that. We've gone through quite a bit of cleaners in some markets, just from lack of communication, lack of showing up, lack of systems. That all is very frustrating. One of my favorite things to do for, I'd never been to Blue Ridge. I think it was, I think we owned that place for, I don't know, maybe six or eight months before I ever went there. So like, I didn't even, never been there. Like, no desire to go, no desire to see the place. It just is really kind of different when you're a super hands-off investor, but you manage the place. So you're responsible for knowing the ins and outs and everything about that area. So some of my favorite things to do is one, ask other owners. I think owners are some of the best ways to get referrals for vendors, but I also know there's a lot of value in the local people. So especially for you know that specific market, I looked at the Facebook groups. Who are the locals recommending? Because they might know somebody that's not popping, popping up in my Google search for whatever it is that I'm needing. And those people, I mean, and listen, moms are like the truth tellers. So they're <laughs> going to tell you if they don't want you know, they don't recommend somebody. So I, I love looking at the local Facebook groups as well and throwing out a post and saying, hey, this is what I'm looking for who do you recommend? And they'll be like, Oh, 15 recommendations. And you got, you know, somebody who's unhappy and like, don't recommend them. And you're like, fantastic. That's what I'm looking for. And you'll see the same name popping up. So that's how we found a lot of our really solid vendors is just through referrals. Google reviews and stuff can be really fine, but we really like to know who other owners are working with and then who the locals recommend that maybe we just haven't seen their name pop up before.
0: Yeah, that's one of my favorite ninja strategies too. You know, just I I, I love I love me some Facebook groups, okay? But I also to your point, you know, you can throw a post out there, let's say you're looking for a cleaner, and yes, I will absolutely consider the cleaners who see my post and say, "Hey, I'm a cleaner. I would love to explore supporting you." I'll absolutely entertain a conversation, but it is worth its weight in gold to get the recommendations from other people. And if I'm seeing, like you just mentioned, trends in names that are popping up, those are the first people
1: I reach out to. 100%. And it's, that has really paid off for us, especially in areas that we haven't been to or don't know or, and I'll be honest, we've even like stocked other owners like listings and be like, okay, so they have a lot of reviews that are poor cleaning. So I'll reach out and ask them who they're using because I don't want to use them. And, you know, I mean, sometimes that's a strategy too, of just saying like who, who is getting good reviews and who is not. And I need to know who, who they're using either way. So we we've gone both ways just to try and Make sure that we have a really quality person. And I'm a relationship person. I want to talk to you on the phone. I want you to care about me. I want I want to feel like they're invested in the success of my business because what I will tell like all of my vendors is that it's my job to make your job as easy as possible. And I, I think that instant respect and trust has led us on a lot of solid relationships where they know I'm here. I need them and they need me. But I also am not going to be that obnoxious owner. Like, what can I do to make your job easier? What do I need to do for next time so that this doesn't come up again? And I mean, that I think is some solid advice that everybody should take note when you're moving forward with vendors.
0: Absolutely. I also, and I'm curious to hear your perspective on this, but give regular feedback to my team members, my cleaners, you know, my folks who do regular work for me. I think it's so important to have regular touch bases with them to share feedback, but also receive feedback. How can I be a better partner to you? I think so often it's easy to have that conversation go one way, right? Say, oh, I need to meet with him or her, because I want to share with them what is or isn't working. But we have to be able to receive that same information, you know, from our team members
1: who are supporting our business too. 100%. Like, I don't want to be the pain in the butt owner for them. I, I think that's just important too, right? They have a job to do and I need to make sure that they have everything that they need. To complete their job as easy as possible. We just took on a new cleaner in one of our markets, and it was like, okay, so we need to change the checkout instructions. We need more of X, Y, and Z, and these are the things that they need to be fully functional and get their job done as seamlessly as possible. and And that's a constant conversation. It Usually, it's like, hey, the guest mentioned to me that the house was out of this. I'm going to order that. What else do I need? What else am I missing that you noticed? Like, I. I'm not afraid to be like, hey, am I dropping the ball somewhere? Please let me know because that's just how we all get better. I love that.
0: I'm curious if someone may be listening and thinking, hey, if Ashley can manage in multiple markets, I can too. What would be some tips that you would have for someone to get started or be thinking about self-managing in more than one market? You can be like,
1: how do you do it all? Well, for me, like there's not an option for a failure. So I make that space and I try and be really specific about giving each thing that needs my attention specific time. And I want to be 100% in on that time. So self-managing, really, I'm here for emergencies. Everything else is automatic. So my guest conversation is automatic. I've got cleaners showing up, I've got regular maintenance, those are all scheduled things. So I'm here for the oddball questions. I'm here when someone's like, "I can't get the door code to work." Like hit the check mark, that's what it says. Like that's what I respond to. So it doesn't usually take much time really for most people to self-manage. I say you like 30 minutes a week, honestly. It takes 30 seconds to respond. So that 30 minutes would be calling vendors or if there's a problem and that would just take a little bit more of my time. So it's not going to be too difficult to expand into other markets. As you add more properties, your systems usually become even more streamlined, that things are just going to run a little bit smoother. So it's just in my phone, I have the state abbreviation for each vendor. So that way I know I'm like, okay, so it's Florida. Okay. So I'm looking for, I just pull up my Florida contacts and give them a call. If I need something, that's been the best thing for me to keep my brain straight on knowing who to call. Like I can't do first name, last name. Like they have to be first name, last name, AL handyman. So I'm like, okay, that's who I need today. And that that's what makes it a little bit easier for me to kind of juggle those. We also like to do you can either do like notes on your phone. That's really fun. Or you can do an Excel sheet if that works for you of just your list of vendors. So if you do feel like you're overwhelmed, you can't keep things straight, either like like I said, that list on your phone is is great for quick touch points, or you can do an Excel sheet with names, numbers, contacts, things like that. If you prefer that type of organization.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That, that tip for the state abbreviation in the phone i might have to steal that ashley
1: <laughs> the only way i function i swear because <laughs> i have two mike mans, and i get that gets too so confusing because they have the yeah. same names and they're different
0: states that's amazing so i do want to ask you two and again i feel like i would be remiss if i didn't just shed light on the fact that I really, I'm genuine when I'm saying this. I think of you as like a modern day superwoman. You are not only creating a real estate empire and a legacy for your family, you have a continuously growing family with baby number six just about here, will be here by the time this airs. But you also have another very thriving business aside from real estate. And you also give back to, our short-term rental community. And I'm sure you give back to other communities as well. I know you talked about designating time and being all in on the time that you do devote. Are there any other time management strategies that
1: you have up your sleeve that have been most helpful to you? It's a compliment when you say like, oh, you're superwoman. Like for me, I I don't want to be the standard. I'm not, you know, for me, I just focus on what Ashley has to get done. So please don't hold yourself like, oh, well, she's doing all of this. And like, I, I'm afraid to do whatever. Please don't. That's not me. I don't care for that type of spotlight personally. So I homeschool my kids. So I have that work during the day. I have a sales business on top of that. And really what I try and do is just kind of almost time block, if you will, on Okay, so these are the hours that we're doing learning. This is going to be my time where I'm going to sneak in like 15 minutes. Usually that's what it is. Is like, where is my 15 minutes? And is that technology? Is that sending them down in the basement? Is that just letting my partner know, hey, I need help. These are what I'm going to accomplish and knock out in 15 minutes. I've tried scheduling. I will tell you, I'm like one of the most chaotic, least organized probably people out there just because that doesn't work for me. I don't like heavy structure. I don't thrive in that environment. So if you're like, oh, you have to have everything together. No, I'm a hot mess over here that is doing it all because I do it in what feels good for me. So if you can take those 15 minutes. So earlier today, I was like, okay, I've got to pay a couple invoices. I need to reach out to one of my contractors. And I knew that was only going to take about 15 minutes. So I told my kids, we're doing this and this from this time. And then when this time hits, I've got three things that I'm going to get accomplished. And as soon as I'm done, we can move on to the next thing. And that seems to just kind of be a little like give and a little take. And they're really respectful because my kids understand and and they've had to be reminded of this, that what you want comes with a price. And And mom and dad are working So, that you can have all of these things. You know, we're working for this vacation or we're working for this reward. And this is what I need to do to make that possible. So, having that conversation, and even though my kids are little, they understand that what they want, we have to work for. And if I need 15 minutes of time alone in my office where I just lock the door and they can beat on it and whatever, but I've got, my 15 minutes to get what I need done to accomplish the tasks to stay on for the day. The other thing I will share with you, especially if you're working with a partner in this business, like a spouse, like this is a good relationship tip, but it's been really helpful for us is I will ask my husband like, What do I need to do today? What do I need to do for you today? Like, what are the things that I'm forgetting because in my brain it's not there? Maybe it was important to him and I just overlooked it, something like that. So, that also is something I do daily where I'm like, what do I need to do today so that I can make sure that I accomplish what's on my list? And also, if he's got something else that, like I said, that I missed, I just wasn't a priority in my brain. So, that is also very helpful to keep me on task.
0: That's amazing and such great advice. And I'm already envisioning some things that would pop up that my husband would say if I asked him, maybe I I should do that tomorrow. What do I need to do today to help you? I love that to help you because it's interesting. Sometimes it's easiest to support maybe our external community and not to say that we forget about our family, but it's a different mindset. You know, when you're thinking about your spouse or your family, all that's a given, I'm going to support them. But sometimes it's easy to forget to ask them what
1: they need, you know? And eventually they'll start asking you the same thing. What can I do to help you today? What do you need? Um, because my husband's a registered nurse and he's, you know, gone 14 hours of the day and he works overtime every week. So that I'm, I'm solo parenting. He doesn't have access to his phone you know, where he can make those phone calls or whatever. So it it usually is something like, hey, I haven't put in the guest access for Disney. Can you do that for me? Or we need to follow up with this person. Can you reach out to them? And it's just like, those are things that, like I said, just weren't my priority, but it was important to to them. And I think that's just a good way for mutual respect for your relationship to move forward.
0: Who knew we were going to get relationship advice today, but I love it, athlete. Okay, I want to move into what I call the lightning round. What I'm going to ask you to do is answer the questions with the very first thought that comes to your brain. And I have a feeling I know the answer to the first one, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Okay. What's your favorite place to vacation?
1: Oh, the Bahamas.
0: I thought you were going to say Disney World. See, I was wrong. Bahamas are pretty amazing though. All right. What's one place you've never been that you would like to visit? Spain. Love that. What's one thing you know now that you wished you knew when you started out in short-term rentals?
1: How to structure a good offer. Ooh, that's a good one.
0: I, I have a feeling there's more to that story. But since we're in the lightning round, I'm moving on. Best piece of advice you've ever
1: been given? Okay, so I'm going to go with a quote from Henry Ford. And it's whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're right. And that's propelled. And I'm pretty sure that came from Henry Ford. Now I'm like second guessing myself, but for sure. (laughs) Whatever that quote is, that changed my perspective on life. Amazing. Love that.
0: And what is one thing and
1: or person that you're grateful for today? Just one? (laughs) Oh, gosh, I'm gonna have to say my husband. And that's because he he's the dreamer. He's the one that pushed for us to invest in general and just say like, I want more from this. And I was the person holding us back, like I said, for several years, because I just wasn't on board at all. And then that changed. And he's the, the dreamer. And I'm, you know, the workhorse that figures out how to how to put his dreams into play. And we have a really fantastic relationship with that dynamic. And it, it's fun. I love working with him. He's a challenging person. And so am I. And so for us to just collaborate, like we've we've just committed to growing together. So neither one of us like we're just not going to outgrow each other. We're we're in this for the long haul. So I love you, babe. I don't know if I'll listen to this, but couldn't do it without him.
0: I love that. I love it. Such such a wonderful testament, I think, to the power of a strong relationship. And you may not get to spend the time, you know, maybe that you used to with one another. But I love the fact that you you kind of know how how to play to each other's strengths and and really, really capitalize on
1: that. For sure. I mean, it, that that was growth in itself and trying to figure out I've owned my business for 10 years and I know how to work just fine by myself and then bringing in someone else and listening to their ideas and compromise and remodels. Oh my gosh. If you ever want to test a relationship, remodel a place with your person. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh,
0: yes. So Ashley, if folks want to learn more about you or get in touch with additional questions or maybe ways that you could support them,
1: where is the best place for them to find you online? So I'm on most social media platforms under the fem investor. Investor. I also have my own website for that as well. And, And many, especially women that have reached out for help or guidance, like that's what I'm here for. This is an abundance area. We can all win and I want to help you. I want to teach you you know, the same strategies that I've learned and I've made a lot of mistakes. So I have no secrets. I'm here to help and happy to be a resource for anyone. So by all means, please reach out. That's, that's what we're here for, to help everybody win. I love that. Couldn't agree more.
0: And Ashley, thank you again, not only for joining us today, but for doing all the things that you do to help other people. My pleasure. Thanks again, Stacy. Okay, sister. Are you ready to start making your short-term rental dreams a reality, but feeling lost, stuck, or just overwhelmed? Here's what I know for sure. You deserve everything you're dreaming of, and you deserve to get it with ease, support, and joy. So here's what I'd like you to do. Go to stacystjohncom slash strwebinar And watch my free masterclass where you will get the scoop on how to leave your W-2 and start building your dream life with five simple steps. If you're ready to have more time to spend with friends and family doing the things you love, adding a ton of zeros to your bank balance and start living your short-term rental dream, you need to watch this masterclass head over to stacystjohn.com/strwebinar right now to start watching that's stacystjohn.com/strwebinar and i will see you there